everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we break our brains a little bit by watching way too many Christmas movies. Yeah, if you didn't get a chance to look at onthetestpod.com under the blog, and then there's a drop down that says 10 Days of Shabermas, we, in 10 days, watched 11 Hallmark or Hallmark-adjacent Christmas movies, 10 of which had Lacey Chabert in them. If you look at the blog, you'll understand why 10 of the 11 had Chabert and one of them didn't. We are idiots and forgot things. So towards the end, we were like, these are really good. All of these are good. Why am I not only watching these? They brainwash you, man. And also, it's like you fall into like this point where you can start predicting what's going to happen. It's like, oh, this is going to happen. And you're right, because, you know, it's very basic plots. But sometimes they throw some curveballs at you that you never see coming. There were a couple of really good curveballs. So if you are a Hallmark Christmas movie fan, or if you're just a fan of listening to us ramble on, we have that on there, too, because we did real-time reactions. So that is on thetestpod.com under blog, 10 Days of Shabermas. And we had a lot of fun doing it, so this might be something we do from time to time. Not necessarily always Hallmark movies, but just we're going to watch a movie. We might as well put this up on the blog. Yep, just us reacting to movies in real time because as you that's, want. Because that's where the life our lives have come to. I found a movie theater gift card yesterday that had fallen behind a bed. I never thought I'd be sad about finding a forgotten gift card, especially to a movie theater. It's like, oh man, we could go see a movie, but we can't. I love movies, going to movies so much, but my paranoid brain right now, we found out that our favorite movie theater, you can rent out an entire theater for $99 right now. We were like, there's nothing we love more in this life than going to see a movie and no one else is there. But my brain went to, what if we just happen to sit in the same seats as the previous people? And what if they aren't clean people? And what if they didn't properly sanitize this movie theater in between showings? We're going to die. It's okay. We'll so. just bring in a big old can of Lysol and just spray down our seats before we even sit down. And you got to wait for like 10 minutes. We can do spring. that. Make sure, yeah. If you're ever sanitizing things, don't wipe and use Read the instructions. Most of them take three minutes. Some of them take as long as 10 minutes. Actually follow those instructions, because if you don't wait the appropriate amount of time, your spice is not sanitized. What else did we do this week? Oh, yeah, it was Christmas. It was indeed Christmas. And we got each other lots of clothes because we are boring adults. Yeah, but Austin got me a hoodie from one of my favorite shows, which is BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural. And it's like a Ouija board and it's got pictures of the boys on it. And the Ouija board spells out. Hey, demons. <laughs> yeah, thank it's you. me, your boy. Hey, demons. It's me, your boy. I forgot what the first word was. My brain is done. I had such a headache yesterday. We're actually recording a really late, really cutting it close right now. Yeah. Because I had a headache again. And I think it's, I mean, last week, one day I was wearing shorts because it was that nice. And then two days later, the uh, wind chill was in the negatives almost or close to it. And it's just doing a number on my sinuses. So we're recording really late. But yeah, I got that hoodie from Austin. What was your favorite thing you got from me? Um, I got a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons books and I've been really excited and I've just been taking all sorts of random notes of ideas I get as I go through them because I am a huge nerd. Yeah. See, like, while I sit there and I'm watching TV or I'm doing a cross stitch or occasionally if I'm reading a book because, you know, Captain ADHD over here is a little hard to read sometimes. I love reading. Please, please read if you can. Um, he just sits there constantly reading Dungeons and Dragons manuals, like as if they were novels. Yeah. I'm, I'm I've never nerd. seen anybody do this before. Really? No. Maybe I'm, all of my friends do it, but also all of my friends are colossal nerds, too. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just really excited about Wild Magic Barbarians. Yeah. So I don't know if we mentioned the Hallmark thing last week, where we are a Hallmark couple. Yo, yeah, we are. I don't know if we mentioned that. So let's cut this part out if we did mention it. And if we didn't mention it, then you can leave in me telling you to cut it out if we did. At some <laughs> point during our Shabermas watch, Austin goes, we're a Hallmark couple. And I said, ew. Um, but it turns out he's right. We decided to go on our first date on Christmas yep. while he was wearing flannel. Yes, I did. And he cooks. He's basically a Hallmark guy. And we decided to get dating because I was getting out of a really bad relationship and moved back to my hometown to start fresh. And it was with a guy she had known in high school, but they never really connected. Meaning him, not my ex, although yeah, I also me. knew him yeah. in high school. It's me. Yeah, so we'd, ne- we'd never really connected, and then, you know, th- through it all, we-, we got together for the holidays. And you also have a job that's somehow vaguely in marketing. I do. I don't know what your job is. I, like, if someone asked me what your do- job was, I'd say, uh, she does the computers real good. My job has almost nothing to do with computers. What? Other than the fact that I write on one. <laughs> oh, no, I really don't know what <laughs> Nobody would be happy if I was doing something directly with computers. I I have recently more or less mastered the pivot table. That is the extent of my computer Ooh. ability. So we are a Hallmark couple, which I think means we need to get divorced just so we don't have to live with that stigma. Or we continue to do it and we just flex on all the other couples. It's like, oh, that's cute. Well, we're a motherfucking Hallmark movie, bitches. Jesus. All right. So what are you talking about today? Oh, man, I am talking because, you know, Christmas is over and we've been just dealing with so much romance and stuff. I decided to go in the opposite direction. Okay. And I'm going to talk about something I remember like reading about in school in all of those various nature books that you read. And I was like, I went, then I was looking at a listicle and I saw some other stuff. It's like, oh, that's weird. It kept getting weirder. Then I started looking to my own and it is so bizarre and I love it. And it's insane. I'm going to talk about parasitic wasps. Are you talking about the bugs or white Anglo-Saxon Protestants? The bugs, but you know, there's a lot of parallels. So many parallels. And also, remember those murder hornets that were all over the news? Yeah, whatever happened with that? I don't know, but there are worse things than murder hornets, and these are them. Including both kinds of wasps. Yeah, so seriously, I remember like reading about these in elementary school, and I didn't understand the depth. They mentioned one species of a wasp that basically lays their eggs in spiders. Gross. The Pompilidae. And they were just talking about, oh yeah, these... And it's like, they lay their eggs in spiders and the eggs hatch and eat their way out of the spider, which is just enough information to be super gross, but engaging. It's like very much a boy fact. Well, that's something we talk about a lot on the show is you have to throw in the stuff there that's not going to be on the test to grab them for the stuff that will be on the test. And this wasn't even like, this was something I didn't learn about in school. This was something I just read about in elementary school. And like, I'm assuming probably not zoo books, but something (laughs) similar. And I thought it was crazy. And then I always kind of like halfway remembered it. And it's just basically a wasp gets in a really intense fight with a spider where there's lots of peril. And then it paralyzes the spider, lays its eggs in it, and then it drags it off to like a, a lair where it stays paralyzed until the eggs hatch and they eat the spider alive from the inside out. I don't like spiders, but that's very sad. It is. And that's what I learned about. But it gets more because I'm going to talk about one, a specific one, which is called the tarantula hawk. It is not a tarantula, nor is it a hawk. It is just a two inch long wasp that hunts tarantulas. I'm going to be looking at pictures while you go. I'm not ignoring yeah. you. Um, it is found over large swaths of the world, and it's also the state insect of New Mexico. 
Is the state insect of Arizona the scorpion, though? Or is that an insect? That's an arachnid. That's an arachnid. Yeah, so it is, yeah, it preys on tarantulas, as its name would imply, and it, again, it stings them and paralyzes them. But at first, to do it, it actually lands on the ground and, like, starts, like, making a ruckus outside of tarantula dens. So the tarantula comes out, and then this wasp just gets in a fight with a tarantula on the ground. Yeah, it's, never never go outside just to check what's happening, guys. Just don't do it. Yeah, its uh, its strategy is to taunt the tarantula until it rises up like it's about to strike. And then this it just goes in with its stinger right into its soft underbelly and stings and paralyzes it with a truly insane amount of venom. It's not nearly as scary looking as I thought it would be. Yeah. And then once it has stung this tarantula, it's paralyzed. It drags it back to a specially prepared lair where it lays a single egg on it and then buries it alive. Then the age ha- egg hatches. It burrows its way into the still alive spider and eats it from the inside out. How long out. is this incubation period? A couple weeks. The spider's buried alive for a couple of weeks, yeah. but it's still alive. Mm-hmm. How they have to breathe? I mean, bugs have really different anatomy than us. I guess it, it's enough for it to be fine. And so it's like this weird, like horrifying serial killer where it paralyzes its victims and drags it back to its lair. It's like it might as well just be asking these tarantulas to help load a couch into its car, even though its arms missling. I see what you did there. Yeah, yes, you do. And of course, not only is it terrifying for tarantulas, it's also bad news for people, too. The tarantula hack has about a quarter inch long stinger and has one of the most painful insect stings in the world. It is described as blinding, fierce and shockingly electric. I actually watched a YouTube video where a uh, YouTuber named Coyote Peterson, (laughs) who has made his career out of being bitten and stung by animals and writhing around in pain and describing how painful it is. I've heard of this guy because he like almost died a couple years ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, he was he was stung by one of these. He was in intense pain for five minutes, and it was sore for an overday and remained swollen for several days. Uh, but according to him, it was one of the most painful stings he'd ever had at that point, and second only to the bullet ant, which is an insect sting so powerful it feels like you have been shot. Hence the name, the bullet ant. So, did they get somebody who'd been shot and ask them to test this out, or? I'm, assume, I'm assuming it's just like, it's like, oh, wow, this is hurts. It's almost like being shot. I'm not sure if there's like a, that I'm not sure where the overlap Venn diagram is of people who've been shot and attacked by bullet ants. Like, I'm imagining this world in which they're like exploiting people who have been through these traumas. Be like, okay, so I know that hurt a lot. If I give you 50 bucks, will you let me put this bug on you? And we can t- you can tell me if it hurt more or less than that horrific thing. On a scale of one to 10, how much? That's the thing too. When we say things are like the most painful or the second most painful, okay, prove it. Quantify pain. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, this guy, that's what this guy's doing. He's being bitten by all of these bugs. He's, like, He's one guy though. One guy. Like for me, well, I've broken a lot of bones. They don't honestly hurt that bad to me, but you know, get me near an open flame and I burst into tears and pass out. Well, other people are like, flame, no big deal. I mean, I guess if they're on fire, they wouldn't think that, but they will like cry at the very thought of a broken bone. And it's just still, that's just so weird. Like this guy is, he's built a career out of being stung by insects though. That's, that's insane. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I feel, oh man, is, this might actually be what he loves because he seemed really passionate about talking about insects and like, hey, this is as bad as it gets and I'm fine. So don't worry about outside. He also fell into a cactus while trying to catch one of these. One of these bugs were all trying to catch a cactus. While trying to catch one of these bugs. It was <laughs> cactus running through the yeah, desert. It's like, there's like, you see him like dive in the air with a butterfly net. Then you hear a scream. And when he comes back into the frame, he's covered in like cactuses. Ugh. 
I lived in Arizona for a hot second, and no, no, you don't go near the cacti. Although, I never once saw a scorpion there, but got stung by one in Missouri. Yeah. Luckily, um, this thing doesn't go after people. It is a reluctant stinger. You basically have to capture one and like rub it around on your arm until it stings you for it to sting you. So, so we're just as mean no- to them as they are to the Yeah, spiders. this guy was just being kind of a jerk. But luckily, it did survive his video. They let it go. It was... Um, they're not like bees. They're not like bees. So yeah, that was that's a weird one. But there's another one that's even more terrifying for spiders. There's an entire subspecies that... Uh, not only do its larvae eat the spiders alive, it turns them into a zombie. Okay, yeah. Uh, basically, a wasp will dive bomb a spider and lays an egg inside of it using a special ovipositor. Mm-hmm. And so it'll hatch and start doing stuff, but it alters the spider's body chemistry. Mm-hmm. And the spider starts building a special cocoon for the wasp to protect it. Use And it does it by, like, they think it does it by activating. It's like, hey, you're about to molt. You need to build this special, like, extra strong cocoon. And it even builds, like, an extra strong with, like, its spider silk. It, like, gets stronger and harder. And it builds this cocoon around it. So that way it's protected while this wasp larva kills it and eats it. And it's got this nice cocoon built for it to protect it even longer after its spider is dead. I don't know why I knew about that already. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like we need to actually start a like a Facebook poll, which is just which parasitoid wasp reminds you of your ex? <laughs> because like I was like reading through these, it's like, wow, this is ripe for a Facebook poll. Like there is a weird like group that's going to be like, oh boy, mine is definitely this one that paralyzed me and made me build him a home. Help. It's crazy, this one. There's even way stranger ones. Because these wasps more or less bully butterflies, like, to an insane degree. Like, uh, it attacks them. There's, like, they're... Like, not ostriches, uh, octopuses going up and beating up fish for no reason. Yes! Nature is so weird. But yeah, there are species of wasp that attack, you know, all of these species for just uh, every stage of their life. Like, egg... Larva, pupa, caterpillar, like adult butterflies, they attack all of them. And it's, by the way, there are about 500,000 known species of parasitoid wasp. And scientists are pretty sure there's probably closer to 2 million species. And all of them are like very uniquely adapted to go after one specific thing during one part of its life cycle. Very specific parasites. You know they're very soon going to name one the Karen, right? Oh yeah. Well, there's one that's actually got kind of the haircut. <laughs> it went, it uh, preys only on manager beetles. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there are some species of caterpillar where they estimate that wasps are responsible for killing about 70% of them. Uh, it's actually, they're such effective caterpillar killers that they have been sold commercially at garden stores as a form of pest control. Are butterflies pests? Caterpillars are. Oh. They'll eat, they'll eat like, you know, yeah. lots of stuff. Yeah, especially like English, English cabbage growers hate this one species of caterpillar and they will just go out and buy these wasps and just let them out. And it's like, I don't care. It's mean or it's cruel. Better these, than pesticides, These I guess. need to die. Yep, it's an organic form of pest control. It's been effective in some cases, and sometimes it's not, just because we're tr- we'll try to introduce a parasitic wasp to deal with a pest, and it works about half the time. The other half the time, it just doesn't. And then, of course, you're going to have to deal with your wolf problem. Yes. <laughs> yes, these wasps. The only way to get rid of the wasps is by releasing wolves, and the only way to get rid of the wolves is by releasing gorillas. And then you got to deal with that Kansas City gorilla cryptid we have that runs around what I told you about oh, that's right that's right that's right we have a our our kansas city cryptid is a gorilla that okay i'm gonna be honest it doesn't exist no it does not it might have been a guy in a suit or maybe like a zoo gorilla escaped um it was believed that it was a circus gorilla circus gorilla okay yeah and there is one species that is super vicious first it lays many 
eggs inside of a caterpillar. And the caterpillar will continue to grow and eat normally until um, approximately 80 larvae burst their way out through its skin and build little cocoons attached to the caterpillar. The caterpillar is still alive at this point and continues to be alive, but it kind of freezes in place and will just defend these cocoons on it by thrashing around and making sure predators don't get to it. It has been turned into a zombie protecting the very things that are going to hatch and eat it. And you can see pictures of these caterpillars with these wasps on them. It's like they've got these little like pine cones on them almost. And it's just they're covered in them. And it's horrifying. This is like really aggressive Stockholm syndrome. And to top it all off, several species that do this um, have a virus that uh, is in a kind of symbiotic relationship with them. In which when they infect these caterpillars with their eggs, they're also giving them an immunosuppressing virus. <laughs> That makes sure that the caterpillar's immune system doesn't attack the eggs while they're inside of it. Mm -hmm. So not only are they going to eat it alive, they are giving the caterpillar AIDS. Jesus. Nature is wild. There is another like species that is also super metal that exclusively lays its eggs in antlion larva. Mm -hmm. Which, an antlion is a pretty vicious predator. It buries itself except for its head with its sharp mandibles kind of in a hole and waits for bugs to fall down this like funnel-shaped hole into its mouth and eat them. And ew. so, what's the ew for? I just looked at a picture of an antlion. Yeah. Pretty ah. terrifying. And so, the parts of it that aren't buried and unexposed are sharp attacking mandibles. And there's a wasp that preys on them. How does it do this? Well, it, it's doing the Lord's work is what it's doing. Yeah. First of all, it kind of like flies into it and attacks it. How can you be okay with this existing? Yeah, those are horrifying. But when it tries to bite it, it grabs its mandibles with its hind legs and starts shoving eggs down its throat. And then they hatch and they kill the antlion and it is food for them. Don't care for that. There's yeah. again, there's so much variety in these. There's even a species that has learned to dive underwater to go after caddisfly larvae, which not only are they underwater, which you would think would be protection from flying wasps. It's not. They actually, they also build like hard cocoons around them that incorporate pebbles and little rocks from the stream bed into it. So they are wearing a suit of armor underwater and there's still a species of wasp that will crawl down rocks or down stems of plants into the water and can stay underwater for about 14 minutes hunting for these things. And then it lays its eggs in these things, even though they're armored and underwater. So yeah, they, there's a lot of variety in these species that do this. And the final one I'm going to talk about is the craziest one. You think I've hit peak crazy. No. First of all, it's a wasp that will lay a single egg inside of a species of moth's egg. So it's an egg within an egg. So as the moth larva grows and eats... The wasp egg hatches inside of it and divides and divides and divides. You know how like... So it like impregnates a fetus with another fetus. Yeah. Babies having babies. Okay. And you know how like when people like have twins where like an egg divides and it just becomes two people? Sure. This wasp does that, but it divides 1,500 to 2,000 times. No, I'm good. Um. So yeah, so getting all of these not entirely genetically identical copies because some of them become males and some of them become females because again insect anatomy is weird so it's not exactly like people and also some of these just develop differently because remember epigenetics mm -hmm. this is a species that actually uses it because some of these wasps develop faster and larger to become soldier wasps which will defend which defend the host from other wasps and predators so they'll hatch out of it and basically defend it to make sure that nobody eats it uh, then on top of all of this 
inside of this caterpillar, a war is happening because the females will hunt down and eat as many of the males as they can find. And the few surviving males are the ones who get to mate with their sisters. What is this one called? Oh, it was a weird scientific name. You didn't write down the name of the thing you're currently telling me about? No, it was a really long, hard to pronounce name. And I figured no one's going to look it up. I want to look this up, please. I'll tell you about it after. Sorry, people who are here to learn. Yeah. So this is crazy, right? Just like a, like a single egg turning into a thousand wasps that eat a caterpillar from the insides and like fight each other to the death inside of a caterpillar. At least it's taking out moths in the process. It's true. It does take out moths. And again, this is one of the scientists think this is one of the most diverse species and groups of animals in the world. It's again, so all of them so specialized and so diverse with all of these different methods of laying eggs inside of stuff. And again, it's like they've been around for about 500 million years and just play on prey on plants, insects, crustaceans, arthropods, just so many things. And they think and they play think they play a huge role in the ecosystem just by getting rid of all of these insects, just killing off so many caterpillars and pests and they provide a valuable service by killing things in one of the most horrifying ways imaginable. I just finished a Joe Hill story about somebody who turned into a bug and now that's all I can think about. I think it's going to be think this person who turned into a bug is going to be killed by a parasitic wasp. Well, it's bigger than us, so I doubt it cuz I don't want to see the size of that wasp. Ooh. So yeah, that was my topic. It was weird. It was wild and I kind of loved it. Good. Cuz I don't get to like research like something where I just need to bounce around like a like a weird super ball like between all of these species of wasps very often. This was just a fun one for me because I got to talk about a lot of weird shit. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for questions? I am. Will the fact that you can get a job as a YouTuber being stung by insects be on the test? No, we don't want to encourage YouTubing as a career in our schools. Will zombie spiders be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that you're not even safe from these things underwater be on the test? No. Will the fact that tarantula hawks bury their victims alive be on the test? Yes. Yeah, there I go. All right. What do you think? I don't, I'm not a big fan of bugs. No. But these kill wasps, so, or not wasps, they kill moths, so I can't be especially mad at them because I have a legitimate moth phobia. She's terrified of moths. So these things kill moths. So it's like, on one side, I thought, maybe she's gonna be grossed out by this. It's like, oh, they kill moths? Yeah, she'll be fine. Yeah, like, as in, I see a moth indoors and I burst into tears. That is how bad my phobia is. I know they can't hurt me. I mean, there are ones that can hurt you, but... They're not, they don't tend to be here, but like scrolling through Facebook, if I come past a picture of a moth, I flip out. Like I can't handle it, but I'm not one of those who goes on there and is like, you need to put a warning on this and nest your pictures. I'm like, it's not about me. This is a me problem. So (laughs) anyway, Austin's notebook is covered with pictures of Nicolas Cage. It was a Christmas present. Mm -hmm. I love it. I I gave him a cup because he's old school for some reason and writes his notes by hand. I don't have, when I'm doing my research, I don't have a multiple monitor set up, which makes it hard. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to write these out because I'm old school. If we ever get sued, though, you're going to have to go back and find all of your sources. No, thank you. So don't sue us. Please don't sue us. All right. So today, this episode is coming out right before New Year's. And I started wondering, why the fuck do we bother with New Year's? It's just one day turning into another day. Nothing actually is changing. We don't we don't have the ability to say, well, you know, we're welcoming the new season. We are going to start harvesting our crops or we're going to start planting our crops, anything like that. Literally nothing is changing. You wake up on January 1st and you're like, oh, look, it's still winter. So yeah. why? Uh, I just... It's true. All you do is just you stay up late. So you're grumpy the next day. You have, sometimes you have to go to a lame party or just like go to a bar or a club, which is just 
exhausting. But maybe we're not the target demographic for this stuff anymore. Well, and think about it though. Every year it's like these are the big parties. This is gonna be the best debt night of your of your whole year. You've got to make this epic. Blah blah blah. It's just a lot of people getting drunk and, frankly, sexually assaulting others. And that's how we ring in the new year. And the question is, why? Yeah, why? Now, I, I kind of know why they used to. I already mentioned that, you know, they used to do it for purposes, for praising their gods, for welcoming the new seasons. We also know kind of why January 1st is the day for um, a lot of people know that, which I'll go into just in case. And but like, what is the psychological reason that we hang on to this? Because it is not a religious holiday. Not anymore. Nobody is like, oh, yeah, the day of our Lord, New Year's. That's not a thing. So why? Why? You, can you tell them not, I'm not a New Year's person? Even though Austin and I, I did. Like, we agreed to go on our first date on Christmas, but our first date was New Year's Eve. And it, it was fun. I had a good time. We went I, to a um very okay Chinese restaurant. Aggressively okay. And then we were going to go to a, not a club, but like a place where there was live music. Mm-hmm. And then they turned out to be closed down. And yeah. Austin started to get very upset because he had planned all this. And I just looked at him and said, why don't we just go to the bar that was next to the Chinese place? And he's like, but but it's our first date. I'm like, let's just go to the bar that was next to the Chinese place. And we went to the bar and someone bought you a shot of tequila. Yep. Some stranger bought me a shot. Only time a stranger's ever bought me a shot. And it was a really good first date. Yeah. Even though the Chinese food was aggressively average. Yeah, I am okay with average Chinese food. Although the stuff we get from the local hole in the wall is significantly better and so much better. Cheaper. Yeah. And they deliver. And they also. Oh, we can get delivery from this place. Oh, you can? Yeah. But why though? <laughs> I don't know. All right. So the earliest New Year celebration we know about was in ancient Babylon about 4,000 years ago. So it's their fault. Well, likely this happened before, but this is the earliest recorded one. They did this on the first full moon after the vernal equinox with a festival called Akitu that lasted 11 days with a different ritual for each day. It was it celebrated not only the changing of the year, but the victory of Marduk, a Babylonian sky, go- sky god over Tiamat, a sky god- or sea goddess, and the renewal of their current ruler's divine mandate, which allowed their current ruler to keep being the ruler, basically. Okay, that sounds like way better than all of like our religious festivals. Like, Yeah, I'm thinking we need to start bringing back this Marduk-Tiamat thing. Like, start celebrating ancient gods' victories. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's this, all, what's this holiday about? Oh, well, um, some guys signed a document, like, 250 years ago, and we got in a fight with England over it. Yep. It wasn't It wasn't the sky god having declaring victory over the sea goddess. And then we also know that Egypt had theirs, which was when uh, the star Sirius would rise, which was also when the Nile would flood, which is a yearly thing. Like when Sirius would rise, rise, the Nile would flood. I can see thinking that as some kind of divine thing. And this flooding allowed them to have better crops. So again, kind of a religious ceremony. Like, hey, thanks for making it so we don't die this year. And then we have Nauru's. I'm absolutely pronouncing that wrong. Uh, meaning New Day, and it's also called the Persian New Year. It is actually still a holiday uh, in Iran and other places in the Middle East and Asia. It lasts 13 days around the vernal equinox. You know, when it makes sense. Yeah. Though it's only recorded as starting in the 2nd century BCE, people think it started at least in the 6th century BCE. And like many, it's celebrating the new spring, and their leaders would actually go out and interact with their subjects during this. What? With the peasants? I know. And they dyed eggs during this, which makes me wonder what this has to do with Easter. Oh my gosh. I decided not to dig into that because that might be something to look up in the future. But I did think it was interesting because, you know, Christianity steals stuff from all the other religions and claims it as theirs. Although, I don't know if dyeing eggs has any 
Christian relationship as opposed to just this is a thing we do on Easter? I'm assuming it has nothing to do with Easter and it's just something we adapted to make people okay with. I also have questions about this giant terrifying rabbit that's supposed to come into my house. Okay, is the rabbit supposed to be giant or is it a regular sized rabbit? Where does it get the eggs? How does it carry them? In a basket. How does it carry a basket? Because it's a giant rabbit. So you think it's like a giant rabbit, like, like a Bugs Bunny rabbit or is it like humanoid or is it like just a really big rabbit i think it's like a mascot oh that's even worse yes so much worse yes so there's just a furry breaking into your house hiding candy yes and if you put it that way it's um very predatory it is well i mean it's i mean Santa's just a a a, a large guy who lives on the north pole sneaking into your house keeping track of what you do but we won't say anything bad about the tooth fairy. We don't want to piss off the fae. Oh, no. Oh, no. Especially because they've got our teeth and they can do all sorts of crap with those teeth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We love you, tooth fairy. Uh, this this episode is, in fact, brought to you by the tooth fairy. Don't question it. It's cool. <laughs> the Chinese New Year, um, which we all kind of heard about, at least, it happens on the second new moon after the winter solstice, which is why it's also called the Lunar New Year. They have used it historically and currently to honor their household and other deities and their ancestors, and they use it as a time to celebrate with their families. This was strictly celebrated by the Chinese until 1912 when they started using the Western calendar. So uh, all of this kind of makes sense. It recognizes some kind of change or it serves some kind of greater purpose, even if it's just this is the time we renew our relationship with family or whatever. But what about now? Like you wake up on January 1st, nothing has changed. You haven't celebrated any particular thing. You have not like you don't even spend New Year's with your family usually unless you're, you know, a kid. All Um, you did was stay up too late and get too drunk. um, I don't know about you, but this means it's a new year for taxation purposes. So I don't even think that's true. That's. Actually, I don't know. The The quarters are a weird thing on their the own. The quarters. It's a new financial quarter. It's like the market's got to be up. We got to always be closing. So anyway, like we're just getting drunk. We watch a ball drop on TV, which is way unimpressive when you're an adult. When you're a kid, it's like fucking magic. But now it's like, hmm, really? And you're kissing a stranger at a specific time. It's like it's like a frat party that's also a big game of truth or dare. And nobody really wants to be there. Oh, um, I would always watch the Conan O'Brien uh, Midwestern New Year's celebration in which he'd celebrate Ling in the New Year in the central time zone. And it was just lame. And basically a guy in a corn costume would come out and dance on the stage. <laughs> it was it was the best way to ring in the New Year, especially as a child, because I had no idea. So then along comes Julius Caesar. And he was like, hey, our current calendar is super weird because it no longer is reflective of the seasons. So let's fix this. So he created this new calendar that's pretty similar to the one we use today. It is not the same one we use today. And he decided January 1st would be the new year to honor the god Janus, who was the god of beginnings and had two faces, one looking toward the future, one looking toward the past. No, it is not Chandler's girlfriend, Janus. Oh my god. I tried to stop him, people. I tried to stop him. I saw the face. It is. Like, she is the goddess of new beginnings, because every time Chandler is entering a new chapter of his life, Janus is there. Oh my god, you're actually really accurate. Yeah. I, please, I know things. And Janice, less toxic than Ross. Yeah, Jan- I think if they had just replaced Ross with Janice, friends, better show. Ross is a sociopath. Janice is just unaware. Yeah. Again, if uh, there's a video in which they've taken out the laugh track of the Ross My Sandwich thing. Nope. And it's just disturbing. Like, if you're not being told to laugh at this, it's just disturbing. Yep. Uh, it's generally stayed January 1st since then, with some attempts by the Christians to change it to be more important days like Christmas, which again, in terms of making this a religious celebration, makes sense. 
January 1st doesn't make any sense now that I'm sure there are still people who worship Janus and all of that, but the majority of the world never has. So it's kind of an odd thing that we've all agreed to stick with this one day that most of most of the world has never interacted with this religion in any way other than a mythology class. But Pope Gregory the 13th decided enough was enough and changed it permanently to January 1st in 1582. Hence the Gregorian calendar. I did not make that connection because I've never looked at calendars. Oh, okay. I don't know what day it is. Time has no meaning. Um, I'm pretty sure it's December 28th. Yes. Cool. So, is habit why we celebrate January 1st as the New Year's? I think it's just re- resignation. It's like, ugh, you've got that one friend who wants to go out and party. It's like, fine. Not, but January 1st itself is habit. It's habit? It's pretty much habit. There's no reason for it to be January 1st anymore. It doesn't really indicate anything other than worshipping a god that has not been widely worshipped in hundreds and hundreds of years, to my knowledge, because I was always taught it that way. I probably should look that up before I say things. So, why... Why do we do it at all? Why? Why? Well, in an article for Psychology Today, David Ropick, who is actually not a psychologist, so I thought this was interesting, posits that it may be that the symbolism we attach to this moment is rooted in one of the most powerful motivations of all, our motivation to survive. He also points out that the only other day of the year that seems to hold so much significance to us is our birthdays. So both of these are, hey, I'm not dead yet, which makes sense. We've been told that this is a day when a new year begins. So you've survived this whole new year. But then it, for, for me, I'm like, so your birthday is actually what tells you you've survived a whole new year, but whatever. So what you're saying is like, we should actually be proud of this new year because we made it through 2020. Pretty much. So we celebrate that we're still alive. And maybe we're also celebrating that the world is still revolving around the sun and we haven't destroyed ourselves yet. Is it though? Is it? Have we been outside and checked this? I was outside earlier today. And are we still revolving around as the sun? As far as I can tell. Okay. Ropik also points out that a lot of the ways we celebrate the new year have to do with trying to get control over our futures. So even though January 1st doesn't tend to be great at relating to things like the harvest, a lot of traditions tend to be around bringing good fortune anyway. So in Scotland, the land of my people, they do what is called first footing, which means that they want the first person to enter their home after midnight to be a dark haired man with coal, shortbread, salt, black bun and whiskey. This is probably because historically the worst thing you could find at your doorstep was a blonde guy because hey! Vikings. Yep. So they wanted as much of the opposite that they as they could as the Vikings who were trying to kill them. In Germany, Poland, and portions of Scandinavia, they eat pickled herring. Damn right they do. Because they think it will be bring a good year of fishing. And then Swedes like Austin here. Take it further and just eat a shit ton of fish. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's not even unusual. That's just what we do. It's like, oh boy, there's fish? Yeah, I'm eating that. And then one of the things I grew up eating was corned beef and cabbage on New Year's. Apparently eating chicken is bad luck because they scratch the dirt for their survival. And the cabbage is the color of paper money. But honestly, to me, this is a pretty rotten way to start the New Year because I don't like wet meat and lettuce that is trying to hurt my feelings. (laughs) That is the best description of cabbage I've ever heard. Yeah, I hate corned beef and cabbage. Um, Okay, I actually love corned beef and cabbage, but that's okay. We'll be fine. You've made corned beef I could eat. It's true. That's because I didn't add cabbage to it. Yeah. It's wet meat. I actually couldn't remember the word for this. I walked out into the room and I was like, Austin, what is wet meat? And he's like, what? Like, wet meat that makes me sad. Corned beef? Thank you. (laughs) So supposedly this is an Irish tradition. That's what I was raised being told. Like corned beef and cabbage is Irish. Corned beef and cabbage is like as Irish as you can get. 
I couldn't find anything that said it was Irish. Everything said that it started in America and we just claimed it was Irish. Okay, claiming something is Irish, but it's not it's as American as you can get. And then around the world, people eat beans or legumes. They're supposed to, in general, represent coins, meaning they can portend good finances for the following year. This is another thing that would occasionally show up on my plate on New Year's, particularly black-eyed peas. And the all idea... All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. The idea of black-eyed peas seems to come from a southern disc dish called Hoppin' John, which has black-eyed peas and rice. Black-eyed peas, yeah, black-eyed peas and rice. It started with enslaved people from West Africa, and the leafy greens that were collard greens, kale, or chard that were served alongside it seemed to represent money. But at the end of the day, other than it coming from enslaved people and then being adopted by white people because we suck, nobody really seems to know what the actual symbolism is. What? So what, Nobody I'm, I'm, even really knows why it's called Hoppin' John. I think I know why. It's because, you know, the black eyed peas are just the symbol that we need to get this new year started. Let's get it started in here. I could go on Wait, and is on. is that the black eyed peas or is that outcast? I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I forgot. I pretend the black eyed peas don't exist. It's true. What? You don't. You don't like Fergie? I actually am fine with Fergie. I just don't like the Black Eyed Peas. Okay. Like, I individually, the little bit I know about the different people in the group, I am I like them. I just don't like the Black Eyed Peas. So I could go on about different New Year's traditions that are supposed to bring good luck, but that would be like country by country, so I'm not going to. Another thing that's commonly done before New Year's, which also goes along with the idea of control, is cleaning your house. Like, literally cleaning house. While we talk about spring cleaning, most people I know, myself included, do their deep clean in the winter, right before the New Year's. Now, that could be in part because this tends to be the longest stretch of time we have off work for the most part, that we are all guaranteed to have off work. And it's also the time of year when, like, relatives are just in the vicinity of you. Yeah, you also are cleaning for your relatives. You are looking around, seeing how much crap you've accumulated in the last year. And then you just have the holidays where you got new crap to replace your old crap. So you got to get rid of the old crap now. So I'm actually, I got this week off of work. I'm so excited to clean the house. And it's kind of a cleansing of the old year off of yourself. And this is, I think we need a deep cleansing of this year off of ourselves. Oh my God. Like we are going to go take a bath in some bleach. Yeah. We don't need skin. Just like, just just scrub that entire layer of skin off. And there are like, there are cultures where this is actually more of a ritualized thing, but this is actually a very common thing across a bunch of different cultures. And of course, I can't talk about New Year's without talking about the kiss, because you know how much forced kissing pisses me off after our mistletoe episode. So much. Can you blame me? It's gross. I don't know. It's just like, what? Ew. Why? No. Ew. Gross. Like, you have to admit, though, this is creepy as fuck. Kiss someone or else. Like, there's actually an episode of Friends where this ha- this comes up because Chandler's like, I don't have anyone to kiss. And Janice, because Janice just dumped him. Uh, somebody kissed me. Some- and then Joey kisses him. And, you know, the joke is that, haha, it's a guy kissing a guy because it's the 90s. But yeah, honestly, that would still be, like, awkward today just because you still got kissed by somebody without permission. So as with most things that were once considered acceptable and are now sketchy, this goes back to Saturnalia. As we talked about, kissing under the mistletoe was part of Saturnalia because it ensured fertility, and we also talked about how that probably didn't actually mean kissing and was a euphemism. Kind of the same thing with this. Lots of traditions from Saturnalia remain popular over the centuries. We should probably actually do a whole episode on Saturnalia because it comes up a lot, and we've never actually talked about it. Okay. That's uh, like... Imagine mandatory orgy is kind of how I put it. It's like... It's like, imagine if Christmas was just an orgy, was how I picture it. Which, by man, silent night to an orgy? Gross. So one of the things about it is they would wear clothing that was different from the normal clothing, and that include enslaved people wearing their master's clothes, and the master's taking on the role of the enslaved people for this, or at least not, at least treating them as an equal for that day. 
This may actually be reflected later on in masquerade balls. That became a thing during the Renaissance. And we know that people would attend these masquerades on New Year's. And at midnight, they would take off their masks and kiss whoever they were next to to purify one another from evil. I don't know how that's supposed to work. I mean, masquerade, that, masquerade balls seem like crazy fun, but I can only associate them with like... Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades. No, not Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, now I can. <laughs> no, but like with like weird like Regency romance movies. And like, oh no. Or like, you know, the king is going to be assassinated at this masquerade ball. I mean, I throw a Halloween party most years, which is basically a masquerade ball. And every year a king gets assassinated at one of our parties. We need to be better at this. Maybe we should stop inviting them. Maybe they should just stop coming. It's like, why are the king, why are various royalty coming to our thing? <laughs> um. So there's also folklore in England and Germany, especially that kind of rose, they think, out of these masquerade balls more than the other way around that kissing someone you're with at midnight would strengthen your romance for the new year which ew so kissing is about shedding the old and bringing more positive for the new but how positive can it really be if your partner didn't actually agree to this yeah it's just some random person who you happen to be by and even if they agreed to it are they actually agreeing to it or is it pressure at this point because like they're just standing there like oh it's midnight you gotta kiss me it's kind of like it's the mistletoe thing all over again oh we're under mistletoe and again, something super inappropriate for your boss to be a part of. Yeah. Oh, gosh. This is probably why we don't have... Oh, well, first of all, like, like who's who in my office, who's going to stay up to midnight? That seems exhausting. So we probably would never even have a New Year's party. Well, now we're coming to where it was always going to end up. Resolutions. Oh. The things that offices love to do. I hate them. I hate New Year's resolutions. The few times I've made them, I was forced to by places like school and work. That episode of The Office where Pam thinks it'll be super fun to share these and update about their progress makes me actively uncomfortable. Because if if you're resolving to do something, it means that you are admitting that something's not right about your life, that you know you have control over it, and that you want to change it. So now not only are you having to make that confession, but you're also having to tell people when you fail at it? This is psychologically fucked up. But uh, personally, actually, I'm hearing something you said about like, you know, acknowledging like, you know, I'm taking control of my destiny and fate. I think I forgot my resolution. I'm going to finally kill that time wizard who keeps changing the time stream. That's my resolution. Is it because they're just making it worse? Yeah. It's like, I'm coming for you, time wizard. So resolutions also have been around since the Babylonians, but there was a method to theirs, which was, I borrowed this and now I'm returning it. That was it. You resolved to do something you should have done three months ago. Oh, so like, it's like, we've got some Tupperware we need to get back to people. Which Pretty much. Which is sitting since the start of quarantine. Do we? Yeah. Who, where is it? It's up in the, it's way up at the top. Whose is it? I think it's your mom's. Oh. Uh, other cultures go to others for forgiveness for things they did over the last year. Again, solid purpose. And something that you either did or you didn't do. But as our resolution system goes, it's basically whatever you want to do is what you start doing. In a way, it kind of gives you an excuse to not start, if you ask me. I mean, how often do you hear, the diet doesn't start until January 1st? So many times. And then on January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd, well, I can't just let these leftovers go bad, can I? Oh, no, you can't. And then as the days go on, well, I had some more leftovers, but it just felt wrong to have ham without potatoes. So they went out and bought potatoes and kept eating what they would normally eat. I got a, I've got, I got three gift cards to the Olive Garden. Better get those unlimited breadsticks. Yeah. And there's no judgment for me because ham without potatoes is morally wrong. And if you get a gift card to Olive Garden and it's not a quarantine, you do have to get those unlimited breadsticks. Yeah. But January 1st is going to come next year. And you didn't say it had to be this January 1st. So you always have a new deadline. It always feels like there's a reason to not start when you apply it to this arbitrary date. 
Anyway, about half the adults in the U.S. make resolutions, but fewer than 10% actually keep them. They tend to fall into categories like breaking bad habits, specific outcomes, and solving a problem. And they also especially like to fall into health and religion. The health things are especially tied to weight loss far too often and quitting smoking, which you should do. And the problem there, though, is that both of these, both smoking and weight loss, often have deep psychological connections that need to be addressed. And putting pressure on yourself to do it on or by this specific date without addressing the issues that are contributing to them, whether they are mental or physical health issues, you're going, you're setting yourself up for failure, and then you're going to feel worse about it. And then if you are a smoker, you're like, well, I've smoked once, I might as well smoke the whole pack. Not that I would have any personal knowledge of this. Or, you know, well, I already ate one cookie, so I might as well eat the entire box. Like, putting this pressure on yourself is going to make things worse for many people. Not for everybody, but for most. And especially when you're giving yourself a date that has nothing to do with you. So, like, imagine having this happen and you have to go back to work and somebody's like, oh, how are you doing on your resolution to lose weight? And you have to admit that you not only gained a pound, but you did it because you're eating bag after bag of Cheetos while watching America's Next Top Model. Again, no personal relationship to my life. Actually, uh, we're going to be eating bag after bag of Cheetos while watching Bridgerton. I hear it's really good. Like, everyone I work with has watched it. Except for the fact that the other day I was watching America's Next Top Model uh, makeovers with Austin, and he keeps talking about America's Next Top Model, so I think that's what he means by Bridgerton. Yeah, I'm trying to make us sound like we are not the culturalist swine that we are. <laughs> hey, I did a thousand books you may have read quiz, and I had read 21% of them. Okay, Thank here you. Go. Here we go. Um, New Year's resolution is make ourselves not look like culturalist swine who just watch reality TV all day and fake watching important things. Hey, we just watched 11 <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movies in 10 days. We are cultured as fuck. <laughs> we are. So there are all kinds of articles out there giving advice about how to keep your resolutions. So I thought I should tell you give some of these tips. And then I thought, fuck that. I don't believe in making resolutions because you should do things when you're ready to do them unless they are hurting yourself or someone else, in which case you need to get help to get them done now. So that is my advice to you. If you want to do something, if you want to change something, find a way to get help with doing it. Find a therapist. Use one of those online therapy companies that is no that is not yet sponsoring us. There are organizations, if you can't afford this, Google, like, I need help paying for therapy. There are organizations that will help you pay for therapy. So if you've got an issue that really does need to be addressed, chances are a resolution by itself won't do it. Or just admit that you're perfect the way you are and changing thing is for, is for quitters. But what if my goal is to start something new? But you're already perfect the way you are. <laughs> I can be more perfect. Could you, though? I mean, I am not yet Kristen Bell. Okay, we you need to be, like, a foot shorter and, like... 78% blonder. 78%? 78%. My hair is almost black. Okay, like 150% blonder. <laughs> but if you find yourself having to make a resolution, resolve to wear a mask and maintain social distancing and stop having goddamned parties, including the one you're planning on for New Year, Karen. We know what you're doing. Oh, please. No, this is not a Karen party. This is definitely a Chad party. And I don't mean just for COVID. I mean forever. Just forever maintain social distancing and wear a mask and stop having parties. It's just a lot easier for all of us. And so that is the long and surprisingly short of New Year's. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was like, that was way shorter than usual because there actually isn't that much out there because nobody fucking knows. These are all guesses. We just, it's like someone just started doing this and we all just went along with it. This is. Yeah, this is basically like a major like mass hysteria or gaslighting or something. So my advice as we enter the new year, think about the things you can control and control those things. Things that think about things you can't control and determine if there's any part of them you can control. If you can change things for the better, do it. 
If you can't, then just do your best to make the world suck a little bit less. All I'm hearing of this is, is I can defeat the Time Wizard. Is your will up to date? It doesn't matter if you're fighting a Time Wizard. Austin, I would very much not like to like to not have to fight anybody over your immense wealth. It's okay, fine. I'll make sure it's updated. But the Time Wizard is just going to change it using time magic if he wins. Who do you think is controlling the Time Wizard? Jeff Bezos. Sure. Let's say Jeff Santa? Bezos. Sure. Trick question. Santa is Jeff Bezos. Oh, I need to ask you your questions. Yes. So will this be on the test? New Year's celebration started with the ancient Babylonians. Yes. One of the purposes was to renew their ruler's divine mandate. I mean, depends on what part of the South you're in. Yes. New Year's is January 1st because of Julius Caesar. Yes. It's theorized that we still celebrate New Year's because about because we like control. No. Kissing someone without consent, even at midnight, is sexual assault. That's a, that's a solid maybe on the test. It should be. It should be, but I doubt it will be. And most people fail at their resolutions. No, that can't be on the test because then you can't admit that failure is even an option. I didn't say it was an option. I'm saying it's an inevitability. Ooh. So yeah, uh, team no resolutions over here. Uh, team kill the time wizard over here. <laughs> Where can people find us if the time wizard allows this? If the time wizard doesn't get rid of the internet to stop our truth from hitting the internet, um, you can find us on our website at onthetestpod.com. Or no. That is our website, yes. Yep. Uh, onthetestpod.com. Yep. On Twitter at onthetestpod, Instagram at onthetestpod, and facebook.com slash onthetestpod. Yes, and don't forget to check out 10 Days of Shabermas if you haven't yet, because that was a lot of fun. And I honestly can't really see us doing that with any good in-depth movies because of the way we do it. Yeah, we're... we're so we're, if you've got any, like, mediocre movies or bad movies or movies you just think we could easily type responses to while we watch it, we're open because we think we might do this from time to time. I'm not saying we'll never do a good movie. It will just be structured differently. We probably or, won't type back and forth yeah. during it. Or if you're like, if we're feeling really spicy, we might just record our thoughts live as we watch he it. He really wants to do that. I very much like typing it out. Yeah, we could do, well, we can, we can experiment. See what the, our pop, our public demands of us. We, <laughs> we just don't want to have people, uh, you, you don't want people to see our commas anymore do we no oh my or my more my bad capitalizations i'm really bad like i am I'm, dependent on spell check. my vague marketing job is editing that, yeah there you go austin so if somebody asks you what do i do for a living editing such as commas and weird capitalization yeah so i'm basically like her nightmare client Honestly, no, no. I could um, be worse. Well, I can see what you're doing in real time. Okay. <laughs> um, no, actually, most people at work for me are really good. The ones who work for me, oh. Austin. Oh, I see. I was almost proud of myself for a moment, <laughs> but then you just crushed it. Thank you. That's what I do best. And so Austin needs to go recuperate from my sick, sick burns over here. Yeah. So on that note, Happy New Year's and, and class, class dismissed. dismissed. We should sing that old Lang Syne song, which that's not even in the lyrics. I, well, I've actually never yeah, listened it to it. It is? Oh, damn. Yeah. Huh. A-U-L-D-L-A-N-G-S-Y-N-E. Old Lang Syne. Oh, that's probably why I've never seen it. Okay. <laughs>